Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD. Today is Friday, August 6, 2021. If you are joining us this morning, uh, we appreciate that. My name is Mike Wynn. I am one of the co-hosts of this weekly radio program. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. I'm joined in studio this morning by IT guru Gary Munn. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, sir. How are you? We're both experiencing a little bit of technical difficulty, so while I... Uh, Try to resolve that over here. Gary, why don't we get a check of the weather, and then we'll fire up some news articles, including some breaking news, and then we'll get to the show. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, patchy fog this morning. Sunny. Highs in the lower 80s. West wind around 5 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear in the evening, then becoming partly cloudy. Lows in the lower 60s. Southwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Saturday, partly sunny. Hot with highs in the mid 80s. Southwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. All right, we're back. So, um, breaking news avoid the area of West Housatonic and Center and possibly West Housatonic and South, if at all possible, this morning. I was just coming through there, as we have spoken of in the uh, past on this program. No matter what time I leave my house to try to get here in order to prep for the show, something is going to derail it. Did you pull somebody over? No, I did not pull somebody over today. That was yesterday. Um, no, there is apparently a significant hydraulic fluid leak right in the intersection of West Housatonic and Elizabeth, and it has now dragged up West Housatonic towards the intersection of the South. And we have multiple units out there enacting a rain closure, so the uh, DP, the highway, and uh, fire can see if they can do a wash and, and do that. Um, but, like, they dropped the street sweeper and the utility truck in the intersection as I was starting to go through the intersection. Um, so, a little bit of a detour, and... You know, it's, it's Friday that's starting off like a Monday. I was going to start without you, but I don't have an hour's worth. You of don't time. have an hour's <laughs> worth of material. You could do it. Um, let's talk a little bit about some some news items, and then we'll uh, we'll get to our conversation about National Night Out and other things to come. Okay. Uh, this, so this one, I, I was listening to the news this morning, and this is just a fun one. Like, uh, given the, the last 40 minutes or so, I just thought I'd start with something fun. So the... Team USA, the U.S. Olympic uh, women's beach volleyball team, the A-team, uh, they won gold. I'm sorry if you haven't seen the morning news cycle yet, uh, but they, they played yesterday and they won gold. And that in and of itself is cool good news. But so um, the, the, the team's nickname is the A-team. I don't have the article in front of me, but uh, both women, their first names begin with A, so they've been nicknamed the A-team. And when they were getting ready to play last night, apparently – Mr. T was tweeting, and it was, you know, don't bother me, fool. I'm getting ready to watch the A-team. And so they interviewed the women this morning, and they were aware of it, and they really looked at it as kind of like an endorsement and a blessing, and so they were excited. Um, 
and I just I that that made me chuckle this morning and they were showing the tweets that he was putting out there so uh yeah they um they they took Australia to task like they were the A team so took them apart systematically on another note less positive note um we are not out of the pandemic yet you know the the delta variant is is taxing systems uh case counts are going up the uh rate of transmission risk for berkshire county has been elevated we're we're now in that moderate risk which means we need to start um dialing back some stuff and uh north adams made the announcement last night that masks are going to be required in public buildings regardless of vaccination status i would imagine that um if not today certainly over the weekend that that type of change will be implemented here um you know it we were so close (laughs) we were so close um so just be safe right it we've talked about this when we were doing the public health briefings when we had um director armstrong and and dr Kohlberg coming in here i don't i don't want to debate you know vaccine efficacy or you know the politics of the vaccine just be aware that the precautions the social distancing precautions and the other precautions that are in place if you're a healthy individual they're not for you right they're for the people you might interact with um you know think about people you know we we've been talking about this for a year and a half now in law enforcement we're going into people's homes we need to make sure we present the least amount of risk possible to the people who we're intruding on so um stand by pay attention check the dashboards you know it's not nearly as bad as it was last year but we're not out of the woods yet um in other big news locally the uh the berkshire museum is reopening their second floor newly renovated galleries all the controversy of the deaccession aside um i so full disclosure i sit on the board i've been privy to the design and, and some of the project updates so i know i'm kind of excited about it there's some pretty cool stuff that they'll be uh showing off as as they go through this reopening um and because of some of the curatorial changes that they made you'll be able to turn over the collections and the exhibits much more rapidly so you 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 may see as many as three or four full-time turnovers in the course of a year Mm -hmm. going forward so that'll be pretty Mm -hmm. cool the other thing that i've learned and i kind of knew this a little bit just because i loved the museum and grew up in the museum but the other thing that I've learned during the last couple of years um, in sitting in meetings is the vast magnitude of that museum's collection. There are tens of thousands of objects in the collection that because of the previous limitations on the space, they, they haven't been exhibited or displayed in decades. Uh, and um, the curatorial staff and the exhibit staff are very excited to be able to start rotating some of that stuff back up. Just weird and eclectic stuff from all over the world nice check that out yeah take the kitties yep all right uh we talked about that we talked about that all right so uh tuesday was fun yeah it was (laughs) it's been a crazy week it has been a crazy week i you know i i was i was getting ready to throw my stuff in my bag to head out the door to come here my phone started going off and uh I'm not going to get into the details, but double booked this morning, multiple things going on, 
realized that you and I had touched base on Tuesday but hadn't seen each other since. You were sitting here alone. There was no way I could accomplish both, and nobody else was coming, right? Um, and, you know, it just, before we get the national night out, it, we plan, you know, law enforcement, we plan, uh, we pre-plan, we contingency plan, we get used to adapting on the fly because, you know, no plan survives first contact. We get all that. But the reality is sometimes you just, you get caught up, you get taken by surprise, and then you just got to pivot. And I was telling Christina, because she looked at me, she knew something was up. I was flustered. I was running around the house. And she's like, is everything okay? I was like, no. You know, I have this this protocol in place, and I, I have it in place for this reason, that if you're on my core staff, your key staff, we work on projects together. If you're taking time off, everybody needs to take time off. I get it. But if you're taking time off, it has to be communicated to me and to Miss Gregory Bellata, right? Because I miss stuff, and it has to go in the calendar. Um, and I rely on that because, like, in a situation like today, my expectation is okay. I can commit to this other thing because I've got staff. You know, I'll be late, but they they'll get it. And it wasn't until I was throwing my stuff in my bag I realized you were sitting here alone. I mean, you can't do both, right? And I went and I and as I got in the cruiser to drive over here. I'm like, absences aren't on the calendar right? it, we could have caught this but never mind it is what it is so um we spoke briefly last week because we really didn't have a clue about what was how this was going to come up come about um we spoke briefly last week about national night out uh kind of gave a little bit of the background and history um i didn't want to get too deep into it because honestly i was a little apprehensive that it may have fallen apart it did not you know, we managed to pull it off. So National Night Out, uh, which is generally celebrated on the first Tuesday of August every year. It's a, um, it's a worldwide event now. It was originally a national event. But, um, and I, if I remember correctly from, the way, from my reading in the, you know, in the Wayback Machine, um, law enforcement officers who were also either guardsmen or reservists who were serving overseas had experience with National Night Out, and they would bring it to their bases, mm. and that's kind of how it expanded overseas, um, either within the Guard or Reserve or within the Military Police Corps. And so National Night Out is America's night out against crime. It's essentially a celebration of neighborhood watch groups and community groups that are community partners in what law enforcement does. In Pittsfield, we started National Night Out, I want to say, in 1994. It was either 94 or 95, but I think it was 94. And we started it um, while I was at the Westside Neighborhood Resource Center because my friend uh, who kind of was working with me, showing me the ropes with some of the stuff we were doing with community organizing, uh, she was familiar with it, and she had an experience with National Night Out in Philadelphia. So we did it, uh, slow start to begin with. But over the course of about a decade, uh, it got to the point where National Night Out in, in Pittsfield was a big, big deal. Uh, and so we, we would have events simultaneously in uh, Durant Park, Cary Bach Park, Morningside at the school. Um, I can't remember the name of the park out in Allendale. We, we would have things going in like three or four different locations. And what we would do is we'd commit some people to each locations and then the special units would move between the locations. Uh, we'd have SRT repelling demonstrations and the robots. And, um, and we were able to do that 
because we had access through through the grants that we were doing at the resource center to a significant amount of community policing money and then september 11th occurred and most of the community policing money that we were eligible got shifted to homeland security and so we were still seeing some of the money we couldn't use it for those those costs anymore uh, and so slowly what happened is pittsfield's national light out got um it got wrapped up in other celebrations. So in Morningside, the Morningside Pride celebration, which was kind of put on by like the neighborhood watch group over there and the community group over there, they took all the activities from National Night Out and they put it into their Pride Night. But then the date moved. It got farther away from the first week of August. Similar thing happened um, at the Ramp Park with the gathering. These resources that we would have committed to National Night Out got moved to the gathering. And so we weren't doing the public stuff during the first week in first week of August so it really wasn't National Night Out anymore um, and so we kind of stepped back from National Night Out and then you know pre-pandemic we committed to those other things and then obviously last year you know we lost everything there was you know we weren't in the community as much and we've talked about that before um, so this year when it came up and I explained last week how that occurred we didn't have a lot of lead time we didn't have a lot of planning time we didn't have time to go through the whole permitting process, so we had to do something that was both mobile and small scale. I mean, we, you know, we can we could go to the people, but we couldn't like say, "Hey, we're having an event, come to us," because no. um, we didn't have we didn't have the time to do that. So, um, so we we had a convoy. <laughs> sure did. Um, I had I had a lot of fun. It it was it was fun to be out with that group of officers uh and you. Mm-hmm. And uh it we probably owe a small apology to that first group of parents in Clapp Park and to that poor mother at Durant <laughs> Park. Um you know we it was out it was publicized it was on our social media the Eagle covered it you know um live 95.9 covered it. I know that you know we we did the best but just, there was just a couple locations people weren't expecting us that family in Clapp Park they weren't <laughs> even from the city so they probably hadn't seen any of our news. Um and so the the initial reaction when we pulled into a couple of parks was, "What the heck is going on?" It's nothing, right? We're here to you know talk to your kids, but so that was fun. So we started at Clap Park yep. at your request. Yep, it's your neighborhood, my neighborhood. Um, and so for our viewers and listeners, basically what we did is we we pulled together a collection of vehicles. Uh, I cleaned some equipment out, so I made some space in my car, and we had the support, support services truck. truck. Uh, we had one of our um, Harley operators on, on the Harley from the motor unit were in the process of standing up. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the program. The re-standing up, re-establishing the off-road vehicle unit. Um, we've had a lot of ATV and wreck vehicle complaints this spring and in this summer, so we needed to um, we needed to re-implement that. We had some maintenance issues with the motorcycles and. Uh, lack of equipment for a couple of the riders so captain kirshner had to take care of that but we got that resolved um a couple weeks ago so the off-road unit was available and this seemed like a good opportunity to reintroduce them a canine unit uh officer sandrini and his partner django a traffic unit um i'm missing something we had the Mountain bikes. Oh, yeah. And, and then a couple of guys on the mountain bikes. That's right. Um, and so we 
we plotted out a course across, through the city, a lot of the city, not all of the city, and uh, we loaded up the support services vehicle with snacks and drinks and giveaways. I, I didn't count how many backpacks we started with. It was a lot. Um, and so we took some PPD swag giveaway bags and we loaded them up with water bottles and coloring books and crayons and stickers and tattoos and fidget spinners and whatever else was in our supply closet. And we got on the road. So Clap Park, uh, the splash pad, yep. which I hadn't been in the park. Like I, I driven by it every day, but I hadn't been in the park since the splash pad was established. That's awesome. It, it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it was in use? Yeah. Do you kids go up there? They haven't been over there yet. Okay. All right. So uh, we encountered a couple families, a few families, handful of families, including some out-of-town visitors uh, who were enjoying um, the splash pad and dinner in, in the park. That was cool to see. Some families on the playground. And so we uh, interacted with the kids and gave them the backpacks, offered them drinks and snacks. And then... Uh, we didn't want the adults to feel left out, so we had some refrigerator magnets with our uh, non emergency and non-emergency contact information and all the ways that you can communicate and report to us, plus some 911 information cards and stuff like that. And so, you know, at each destination, we hung out for 15, 20 minutes, interacted with the families that we encountered, gave them some stuff, answered some questions, and then uh, we loaded back up and, and headed out on the rest of the route. So from... Clap, we went to Durant, mm -hmm. and a uh, couple, th so that we got some great pictures from that one. Uh, that family actually agreed to pose with us, and Django actually jumped up on the table. <laughs> so we got some good pictures from that. Um, had some interesting interactions with some adolescent community members as, uh, as we were leaving. <laughs> uh, saw them a couple more times as, as the evening went on. Uh, they unofficially joined our convoy. Yeah. <clears throat> so we went from there to um, Cary Bach Park, which is a park that uh, I spent a lot of time in when I was at the Resource Center. That park was actually renamed um, before I went to the academy down there. I was there for that celebration as part of National Night Out. Um, that one was interesting because it was just after five and there wasn't really anybody in the park. But there were several families and households that came out to see you know, what the lights were about. Right. And so instead of them coming to the park, we went to them. Uh, we met a couple like, new puppies. Yep. And that was cool. <laughs> so it was pr pretty good interactions with those families and, and some people who were passing by. And then uh, from there, where did we go? Tucker? Tucker Park. Carryback Park. Yeah, from there we went to Tucker Park. Uh, there, there were, well, so there was a woman pushing a stroller through there. And uh, in interaction with it. actually received some intelligence that that was more work related than National Night Out related, <laughs> uh, but got some information, passed that on uh, to the extra checks. And then from there to Dorothy Amos Park, where there was a big Kingsbread basketball tournament going on, uh, we, there was no way we we're getting cruisers in there. So it was a good thing we had the motors and the mountain bikes because we packed them up with the giveaway stuff and went into the park. Um, we were dangerously close to running out of stuff that early in, and we were only three parks in, four parks in. Um, and so from Dorothy Amos, then we crossed the city and we went to the Common. Yep. That was fun. 
Yeah, that was a good turnout. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, bunch bunch of you know families in the common, uh, and and a couple that came to the common because they knew from our social media that, that we were headed there, and so they came specifically to to interact with us. Um, and then from the common, we went to Rotary Park at Springside Park. Uh, that was fun, but the, that dad was absolutely legit. If he pushed us on the swings, we were going to have to push him on the swings. That was a fair trade. <laughs> um, a couple more out-of-town visitors there, so that was awesome. And then from Rotary Park, the original plan had been to go to Bellinger Park. Right. But there was a Jimmy Fund baseball tournament going on at Bellinger Park, and we did a little reconnaissance. And we couldn't, we weren't going to be able to get in there. It was, it was jam-packed and the game was going on. And we didn't want to distract from the gameplay with the lights and stuff like that. So we had made a decision, I had made a decision, um, I think the previous Friday, that we were going to check to see how the game was going and then make a determination if we were going to go to Bellinger. But while we were doing the reconnaissance, we were going to go to the skate park, which I really didn't know what to expect. (laughs) That actually, that was, that was impressive. That that was by far the most interaction we had uh it wasn't the longest but it was the most so we pull up on east street and hit the lights and there's a bunch of um you know for the most part young men adolescent uh guys in the park both on boards and bikes and they're tearing it up and they see us and they stop because you know what's going on they thought um they thought either we had done a like high-risk traffic stop or we're responding to a crash and so we, you know, we start getting out of the vehicles and milling around, and they're coming over to the fence to see what's what. And then they realized that uh, we had food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they lined up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were older, so they weren't interested in, in the swag bags, but they were definitely interested in the chips and the drinks. Yeah. Um, and that was probably, of the, of the places we, I mean, every place was fun, but that was the one that probably, like, struck me as the most optimistic because those those young men were so polite mm-hmm. and so respectful and you know there's i know that even within law enforcement there's this attitude you know the skater kids they're 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 disrespectful they're causing damage it, these these guys were just happy they were having a good time they were happy to see us uh one of the guys just kept coming back for the doritos it was funny <laughs> <laughs> um so we hung out there for a little bit Got the uh, got a couple of mountain bikes into the park. They yep. did not do any tricks. Nope. <clears throat> and then at one point, Officer Garner took the uh, off-road motorcycle, and I thought he was going up on the ramp. <laughs> uh, I was a little nervous, but nope, that worked out. So, and then from there we went to Deming Park, and uh, so at some point when we were at Tucker Park, um, my aunt showed up. Because back in the day, when I was at the Resource Center, she was very, very involved in our programming. And so she knew what we were doing, and she was trying to catch up with us. And so she showed up at Tucker in a vintage National Night Out t-shirt. 2007 shirt. 2007 (laughs) National Night Out t-shirt. And then um, she asked me to text her when we were on our way to Deming. And so when we got ready to leave the skate park, I I threw her a text because she uh, was going to bring some of my my second cousins, her, her grandchildren. And so we got down to Deming. That was pretty cool. It wasn't a huge crowd, um, but several families. And that was the, the so the, the pictures are awesome. You can go check out the album on the department's Facebook page. Um, because 
the kids, it, like, so, so we had some officers' children who were there as part of it as well, but their friends were comfortable with a couple of the officers, and they just called them out. <laughs> and so uh, and we had three of our officers end up in a three-on-three, a game of three-on-three with some of the kids from the neighborhood. Um, it's a good thing our guys are cops because <laughs> they weren't making it as basketball players. No. Nope. Um, we lost. It, well, yeah, that goes without saying. We won't talk about how badly. <laughs> um, at, at one point, I was trying to get some photos and some video of our guys dropping some shots because I wanted to send them to uh, Officer Bobby White, the basketball cop from Gainesville, Florida. And I just I just had to stop filming. <laughs> I was like, I, I can't. I can't justify taking this many pictures waiting for success. So, yeah. You know, in their defense, they, they didn't have the right footwear. They were wearing their boots. It, so, yeah, they had their boots and, and their high boots and their duty belts and their Yeah, I get it. But one of those kids was in socks and slides, <laughs> and he was juking <laughs> our guys. So, um, you know, it, it was a level playing field. And it, I, let's face it, our guys had height. Yeah. Like true. twice the height, um, but enough about that. So um, that was National Night Out, and uh, I was very happy that we were able to pull it off uh, with some limited resources. Um, now we have so we're, one we confirmed that yes, our membership in National Association of Town Watch is still valid, and we were still continuing to be uh, members in good standing. So now we, we understand uh, some of the community expectations and we have a year of planning time. And so I already put on my calendar for next year's National Night Out and a reminder in February to start the detailed planning and paperwork for next year's National Night Out. So we'll do it again and we'll do it better. Yep. Looking forward to it. All right. Um, there was something I said I wanted to allude to in the first half of the show and I can't remember what it was. You were talking about the motorcycle unit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So with the couple minutes we have left. So this came up at Coffee with a Cop last week, which is another topic of discussion. (laughs) Um, We don't know with 100% certainty that there's a direct causal relationship between last year's lockdown and what we're seeing. But it's it's more more likely than that that this is the case, that during the lockdown when a lot of traditional recreational opportunities were not available um it appears that people and in some cases young people uh invested time and or resources in obtaining dirt bikes mini bikes pocket bikes quads um and although we've always had pop pockets of population that enjoy those types of activities historically speaking we generally see them in the more suburban or rural parts of the community and now they're in our urban center, uh, and they—they've just been—they're not—they're not licensed, they're not permitted. Um, we talked about the requirements that we learned about from the EPOs. In many cases, they're not wearing helmets. They're riding in and out of traffic. They're uh, causing damage and disruption. And patrol had been doing a real nice job of trying to quell it. But obviously, we're not going to chase these vehicles with cruisers. Uh, we don't want to chase them at all. But. As inevitably happens, they can go places our cars can't go, and they can go places that our our um, Harleys can't go. So, uh, although Officer Derby will take that Harley just about <laughs> anywhere, um, so 
we had to we had to reexamine what we could do to do that. And although we owned the off-road motorcycles, they hadn't operated in several years. Uh, they hadn't been maintained in a couple of years, uh, and we'd had a lot of turnover in staff, and so we didn't necessarily have enough people to staff the unit. So Captain Kirchner got to work, and because of the timing of the budget, it didn't um, it didn't really work out perfectly. But we got everybody equipped. We got the motorcycles um, maintained, and so we'll be able to start employing those. We've got a, about a, not quite a dozen officers who have volunteered to ride. So you'll be seeing... Um, You'll be seeing more of that, more of that activity from the department. Captain Kirsch made some significant changes to the uniform the last time we deployed this unit. Um, one of the issues, because the uniforms looked sharp, but they were not clearly identifiable as police, so they'd be patrolling and we'd be getting residents calling in on our detail. So now they are clearly the police. There's not going to be any question about that when they show up. Nope. So the, uh, the unit is reinstated, staffed, and will be operating, uh, is operating now. So more to come on that. And we are at 930. So it is time for another check of the weather, station identification, and some PSAs. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM. WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area. Today, patchy fogs this morning. Sunny. Highs in the lower 80s. West wind around 5 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear in the evening, then becoming partly cloudy. Lows in the lower 60s. Southwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Saturday, partly sunny. Hot with highs in the mid 80s. Southwest wind around 5 miles per hour. Weather forecasts for WTBR FM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Sandrini Enterprises, providing awnings and canopies in western Massachusetts. Retractable awnings, retractable screen, gutter and gutter protection systems, commercial awnings, and screen rooms. Customized solutions available online at sandrini.com. UCP of Western Massachusetts is hiring. If you'd like to help people with different abilities lead independent lives, apply at ucpwma.org jobs. We need direct and living caregivers. Join the agency who's reimagining independence. Support for WTBR comes from Berkshire Community College. BCC offers more opportunity and less student debt with small class sizes and more than 50 academic programs to choose from. Fall classes begin on September 7th. Apply today at berkshirecc.edu. And from County Ambulance, providing quality, professional, efficient medical care and medical transportation services to the citizens of Berkshire County. Online at countyamb.com. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us this morning for another episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. And so Darren doesn't scold me, also available as a podcast on all of your popular podcast platforms. So uh, top of the show, we were talking about National Night Out and the um, 
advent, the standing up of the off-road vehicle unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's time to pivot a little bit. We got some other stuff coming up, but I wanted to spend a couple minutes today talking about um, what what you spent the last two days doing because I haven't gotten a report on how that went. It uh, it went really well. It was uh, so it seems like uh, yeah, I was there every day this week. We set up the simulator at the. Uh, Western Massachusetts Police Academy on Monday. We did some tweaking on Tuesday, and then uh, we put it into service for uh, two, two days of training with the new recruits, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, we ran them through two scenarios on Tuesday, um, de-escalation. And then uh, yesterday we did an uh, active shooter. Nice. Two scenarios. So I, w- I was down there... Tuesday? Yes. I was down there Tuesday um, for a meeting, and so you had you had just arrived to drop off a piece of equipment, and we finished our meeting and went up and checked it out. And I, you know, I'm not on the academy staff, so I wasn't trying to get in their business, but Officer Gaynor was explaining to me that, um, you know, we, we brought our VR simulator down there at the request of the academy staff, because you, you just kind of alluded to it. Um, they wanted to make sure that the situational base, the judgmental based training in the academy also included not just, you know, the use of force application, but de-escalation, to, you know, taking what would normally be viewed as a use of force and, and negotiating it in a different direction. And our simulator is better equipped to do that than some of the traditional simulators. And there's a time, I mean, there's a place for everything. You got to cover it all in the academy. But um, based on some of the success that we've had locally, the expectation or the hope was that by combining our simulator with some in-person reality-based scenarios and the academy's simulator, mm-hmm. uh, the Milo, that over the course of a day, you'd eliminate a lot of downtime and you could essentially cover the full spectrum of law enforcement use of force from mere officer presence and verbal commands all the way up to and through, as you said, you know, response to an active shooter. And that by having all three options in play at the same time, you get a lot more mm-hmm. exposure and scenarios for the entire class. And it sounds like that was highly successful. It was. It, it was a very, very successful class. Awesome. And so now we've got some more material to add to our in-service as we move back in in-service in the fall. Yep. That's very cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that was a good time last year. Yeah, it, it yes, it was a good time, but it was also highly effective training. Yeah. So we've spoken. Um, we definitely talked about it last week, and I think we talked about it briefly the week before. Um, so our listeners have heard us talk about the VR simulator, and they've heard us refer to the bridge jumper scenario, right? And you know. It, it, it kind of speaks for itself, but essentially, you know, you roll up into this virtual environment and there's a, it's a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's on the other side of the rail on a bridge and you know, hope is that you talk her down, right? You get her, you know, it's a situation that unfortunately law enforcement finds it's themselves in and locally did find themselves in. Yep. Um, and, you know, in the after action of the local incident, multiple officers said, when I got there, I remembered that scenario. And they, so we encourage our officers when they're doing reality-based training to do 
hot wash, little quick after actions. And so they were doing that themselves in the staging area amongst themselves, not facilitated by the instructors. And they talked about what they had done and what had worked and what hadn't worked. And so they were learning from each other and the officers who needed to actually put that into play told us after the fact, I remember so-and-so saying this worked for me. So I did that. And they in real life successfully resolved a, a jumping scenario. Um, and so, like you know, I said last week, it's showing that the training works. But what we didn't talk about is that after last spring's, last spring, last fall's, both, after the two rounds of in-service that we managed to do in person last year, and, you know, that was a challenge, but we, we got a bunch of it done, um, we were taking the principles that we had taught the previous year in ICAT, Integrating Communications Assessment and Tactics, and we were putting them into live scenarios and asking the officers who were participating in the scenarios to develop contingency plans, alternative plans, and to think more strategically as opposed to tactically. And so in the scenarios that we were running at the offsite training location, in many cases, um, situations that when I was a patrol officer, new trainer, would have resulted in a hands-on use of force. Um, they were they were successfully and quickly de-escalated by using principles of time, distance, and barriers. And instead of ending up in physical apprehensions, they essentially ended up in agreements to come with us, seek treatment, talk to a, a clinician or co-responder, and last summer, uh, multiple times, multiple times, we had situations where patrol officers responded to a person in crisis. And in the reports, you could clearly see they were using the principles that we had implemented and discussed in in-service because many more situations were being resolved with no use of force. Um, and in at least one situation, that uh, could have gone tragically, tragically wrong. It ultimately resulted in the deployment of less lethal uh, rounds from the um, essentially the, the super sock rounds, beanbag rounds. But the way it was done, um, it it was done with minimal, well, so less lethal for you know, yes, minimal risk and injury to the subject, but also much, much lessened risk of injury or exposure to the officers present. Their their tactics were significantly more refined. And, you know, we invest a lot of resources in, in, in training and in service and in equipment. And so it was uh it's gratifying to to see in our real world experiences that this this time and energy and effort is paying off. And it's keeping our community safer. So we're constantly a work in progress, but we're getting there. It's a great tool to have, and yeah. uh, you know, every every quarter they're adding newer scenarios and more relevant scenarios to our current environment, and more equipment. Yes. Yeah, more so, equipment. Uh, it, the, the you can't the the technology the world of technological support to law enforcement is so rapidly changing and so rapidly evolving 
sometimes you can't keep up, right? And so we, how long have we had the simulator now? Like th- almost three years? Three years, yeah. And, you know, it took us a little while to kind of figure out how we were going to use it, where we were going to use it, kind of work the kinks out of it. But we've been running people through it for about two years. Um, and in the meantime, I don't remember which way it, it went, but it, this, independently of employing the simulator, we also started researching and experimenting with and ultimately procuring and putting online Bola Wrap. Mm-hmm. And at some point in the last six months, those two companies merged. Yes. We had no idea that was coming or it was a possibility. So we, we happen to be customers of both companies who are now one company. But one of the interesting things with that merger was that very quickly after we came online with Bola Wrap, the Bola Wrap tool, the Bola Wrap launcher became an available option in the simulator, yep. which, you know, we couldn't have anticipated uh, when we started the simulator program. It, it, we didn't even know what Bola Wrap was at that point in time. So the fact that, you know, when I was in the simulator room at the academy on Tuesday and I was looking, with the exception of the baton, now every use of force tool that an officer has available to them on their belt and to some extent in their car is now available in that simulated environment. Yeah. They, they don't have to be pigeonholed into you're in a firearm scenario. You're in a OC. It, it's user choice. Mm-hmm. And like I said to Officer Gaynor on Tuesday, if we can figure out, because the tools, the tools in the simulator environment are not identical. For, in order for the simulator to work, what did you call them, crowns? Yes. They're basically antennas. In order for the tools to work, they have to have this additional uh, transmitter, transmitter receiver placed on them. And so they, they won't fit cleanly in our pouches or holsters. And so we've got to figure out a way to belt carry all the gear into the simulation. And then they'll just be able to make decisions in real time based on everything. Right. Um, and because of the way you set it up, we can have two officers in that environment at the same time, both interacting with the avatars in the scenario, uh, both feeding off of one another and making decisions. So it's, you know, 26 years ago, I could never have imagined that we'd be able to have these type of training tools locally. And it's, it's just awesome. You know, it's going to completely change the way we train. And, uh, this, this vendor, uh, rap reality, um, we're an important partner with them. Um, so one of the scenarios that we've been using, the, the bridge jumper, mm-hmm. um, it's limited in its responses. Right. So Nikki and I, we had a, our training officer, Nikki Gaynor, we had a, uh, a meeting with the vendor over the last two days. We're going to rewrite the script. Nice. For that, for you know her and I. And then um, we got an email yesterday. Next month, the chief operating officer for Rap Reality wants to come out and meet with myself and officer gainer to see what we can do to improve the the platform and that's awesome newer scenarios so we're looking forward to that so when i (laughs) i I, i've been involved in specking and um researching for procurement simulators since 2001 and it took 
essentially 15 years before we could find one that would meet the needs of the department that wasn't just going to be obsolete every time we tried to stand it up. That's one of the problems with traditional simulators is by the time you get the scenarios, information and technology has changed and the scenarios are obsolete. So, right. um, and then the equipment changes not as rapidly as, as the other stuff, but it, it's hard. Uh, and I know when I went going through the academy, we had access to one of the, like the old school OG simulator, the FATS machine, a firearms training simulator. And uh, the scenarios we were working on and working in in 95, 96 were based on road incidents that had been reported in the 80s. Uh, and, you know, the way we were taught had changed, the available equipment had changed. And so you, it was better than nothing, but it was always very limited. And so in working with this company, um, it, the, that limitation is disappearing, but it's an entire it's an entirely AI environment. Yes. Yep. So one of the things that we were curious with one of the previous companies we worked with is they had said that you know if we sent them if we recorded some video like if we went to I don't know Walmart right, Walmart parking lot or whatever and we recorded video they could then you know use basically green screen that video and put actors in our parking lot yep. and so then we could develop scenarios locally and we ne ultimately we never went with that vendor so we didn't do it but because it's ai you know it should be entirely possible that we send them photos mm -hmm. right so we go to a building that we do a lot of work in or the exterior of a building we do a lot of work in we, it, the, the appearance of the avatar doesn't matter. No. It's the background, yeah. right? So we give them a parking lot that we respond to several times a week. They should be able to program that parking lot into mm -hmm. a scenario, add the avatars, and now we're going to be able to put our officers in, uh, in environments that they're familiar with, right? Yep. We spent the last four days, really, dealing with a person in crisis at a local lodging establishment. Um, going back several times a shift to the same hallway right go take some pictures of that hallway yep. right that that's a good scenario for our officers to train in because it presented some challenges um we have large-scale performance venues right go in there take some photos and video of the lobbies and the hallways and the bathrooms give them to the vendor program them into a simulation yep yeah this is going to be cool yeah that's going to be good I'm waiting to find out when they're going to try to sell us the add-on for driving. Because if we can put Evoc in the VR. It's fine. We, we did bring that up to him last year. It is coming. I know. So. We'll have to get some. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know the gaming consoles anymore. We'll have to get the accessory packs for whatever driving gaming console is out there now. Yeah. And get gamers chairs and put them in the roll call room. <laughs> We still have to get the uh, the simulator pad that the, the person stands on. It's that scared me. <laughs> we we definitely need it. it. I don't disagree, but you know, so I'm a child of the '70s. Like, I have firm recollection of like the original Terminator, War Games. You know, I remember when they brought back Star Trek The Next Generation and they introduced the concept of the holodeck. Yep. 
we're dangerously close. That's essentially what this is. We're dangerously close to that. And none of those movies ever end well for humans. (laughs) They never ran into the wall. (laughs) You have to keep bringing that up. It always happens. Every class. Yeah. What What Mr. Munn is talking about is the first time I tested the simulator after it arrived we were in our roll call room which is a pretty cramped area and when you set the simulator up the box that you're working in is 10 by 10 but once you put the vr headset on you're not limited to 10 by 10 and so the particular scenario they dropped me into was a workplace for our school violence scenario and uh I encounter somebody and, you know, take action, do what I'm going to do. And then I'm scanning for additional threats and I see a subject, they're armed. They see me, they take off running. I turn to take off running, but they're running down a long hallway, except I'm still supposed to be in a 10 by 10 box. And I ran out of the box and I ran into the wall. Basically full tilt boogie. It was bad. We had that on Tuesday too. Did you? For first recruit. Tried to save Susie from jumping off the bridge. Oh, we've named her now? Yeah. Okay. Is that in this scenario, or did you just pick that? Oh, we picked that last year, and we just kept using it. All right. But we're getting better. We know to pad the walls, and, you know, we're we're getting better with the safety. Yeah, I noticed the Red Man mats made the trip, (laughs) too. All right. um, So we got about 10 minutes left, and I briefly, I don't have it, I don't have it in front of me. I briefly alluded to this. Um. You know, one of the things that happens in law enforcement, public safety, uh, community outreach, community engagement, is you become aware of things that are happening elsewhere in the country or in the world, and you look at it and you say, hey, that, that looks like a good idea. Um, maybe we should take a look at that. National Night Out was a good example of that. And um, so I briefly mentioned last week that I had been invited to participate in a webinar meeting um, with a national organization and the name of the national organization is Faith and Blue Uh, and I didn't have enough time last week to get into the history but attended the meeting um, with the organizers including the president CEO who's a pastor Uh, I think he's out of Atlanta and uh, coincidentally this organization the planning for this organization and this event started um, long before the events of 2020, you know, the murder of George Floyd and all the civil unrest, they, they actually were starting planning this uh, in late 2018, early 2019. Um, they, didn't, they didn't really have a, a deadline or a kickoff point. They were still kind of moving through it. And then, you know, incidents of 2020 happened and they were like, we have to do this now. And so um, they did it last October and I don't recall hearing about it at that time. It was, um, it was, you know, largely focused in the Southeast. There was some expansion into other regions of the country. There was one department in Massachusetts that participated. Um, but because of, because of the work that happened in Massachusetts in the last several years, but particularly, you know, with the police reform legislation from last year, um, the national organization, Faith in Blue, they really wanted to push involvement and activity in Massachusetts this year. And so they were at a national conference or convention. They ran into some people from Massachusetts and they made the request that they partner with 
the Massachusetts Chiefs of Police Association and the Mass Major City Chiefs and push this initiative in the Commonwealth. Uh, all 330-odd departments they're asking for a commitment from. So we, uh, we attended the meeting. It's a pretty cool program uh, in that it, it's not a program. It's an opportunity. And essentially what it is uh, is an agreement across the country to um, use Columbus Day weekend, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of the holiday, to hold local events in partnership between public safety and the faith community, to bring the community together, um, to have fun, to have hard conversations, to um, open dialogue. And so they, you know, they don't really require anything other than that the events be jointly sponsored by a public safety agency and a faith agency uh, and that they be free and open to the public so you're free to do block parties or barbecues or um, classes one of the things I think I mentioned last week that really intrigued me is they suggested like um, book discussions and I've got a couple of titles that I've uh, read in the last year that I, I think those would be fun to facilitate a community conversation with. Um, I've also had a offline conversation going with a resident colleague about kind of an open discussion about um, mental health, mental health, and the importance of um, taking care of mental health and resources that are available to address mental health on an individual level. So that's an interesting tie-in. Um, so, you know, I agreed. Yes, we'll do it. Uh, I'm fortunate that we have good relationships locally with many representatives of the faith community and uh, several members of the faith community on the Police Advisory Review Board. Mm -hmm. So I sent the invitation out. Uh, the, the list I sent it out to was by no means exclusive because I don't have email addresses for everybody that I interact with. Um, but the ones that I did have good email addresses for, I sent it to them and asked them to share it. And so... It's very, very beginning stages, but, you know, we're looking at whatever that weekend is, October 7th, 8th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, I think, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of Columbus Day, that, uh, you know, we will be participating. More to come on that. I'm kind of excited to see how that pans out. Uh, I sent it, I, I forgot to, and then I sent it out to a colleague of mine from the state police yesterday because uh, he's involved in the Knights of Columbus, mm -hmm. and they traditionally host the Blue Mass, uh, and so there's an opportunity here uh, for us to partner with the Knights of Columbus as well. So um, all kinds of cool opportunities being presented. And yeah. we'll take a look at all of them and do what, participate in what we can. Some other cool things coming up in the next couple of weeks uh, that we're not, we're not quite ready to share yet. Uh, it's going to be very busy, but, you know, we'll, as we get more details developed and firm up the plans, we'll share those as well. So, lots going on. I really enjoyed Tuesday, so I'd like to uh, participate in the future events. And so, one of the things that I didn't even talk about at all, histor historically, when we did this um, for the whatever it was, decade plus that we did it, and if you look at some of the stuff on social media out there from other communities that participated, it, although it started as law enforcement, most of the country, most of the world, it's not just law enforcement, it's public safety. So like back in the day when we did it, it was 
us and the fire department and the EMS providers and the state police and the sheriff's department and the environmental police. Um, and so I'd like to explore getting back to that. And one of the, the last year that we were deciding whether we were going to do it or not, and we, um, and we pulled the pin because it was just getting too massive, is one of the things that I really would like to do is instead of trying to move all of the special units from location to location to location, because it gets unbearable and it's traffic nightmare is have like one large static display say in the common right and you know have smaller unit representation travel to the various block parties but in you know so start the block parties at you know whatever uh three thirty four o'clock and, and do what you're going to do and then invite everybody to kind of make their way to the common do that and you know from 4.30 to 6 and then go back if you're going to have dinner or whatever. Um, because if we did that, if we changed it to do that, you know, I can get the EPOs to bring out the big boats. We can get a MSP airship, yep. you know, but we can't do it in multiple places. Once it's there, it's there. Um, get the state police to bring out the horses, sheriff's department to bring out the horses. So there's a lot of potential and possibility there. Uh, mass Department of Fire Services has that um, trailer that simulates oh, like, yeah. it, um, like a fire environment. You can go in and do your stop, drop, and roll, crawl thing. So, yeah. you know, there's there's all kinds of resources that we can request if we have enough lead time for the planning. So, can have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Back in the day, we would bring a fire department apparatus, ladder truck or tower truck, to a park. And then, because uh, I was I was still high ropes with the team, and so then we would clip into the top of the ladder and do like inverted rappels yep. down into the park. It was. I know we only got a few minutes left, but I I want to say that uh, Sergeant Garropy and, and Sergeant Hill on the mountain bikes, they're pretty quick on those things. People who have never operated with the mountain bike unit don't understand. They're in the downtown area. They're faster than the cars or the motors. Yep. There's no question. <laughs> I used to love being on the bike patrol. And Sergeant Garropy, he loaded up his saddlebags, and he, he was did. stopping at different houses. Yep. Kids just stopping in yards. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we are just about out of time. We've got about one minute left, not even one full minute left. Gary, plans for the weekend? Camping. Camping, of course you are. Yeah. Training. It's going to be a nice weekend. It's going to be a nice weekend. All right, I lost my second clock counter again. I know there's one behind me. 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. And as I said, at the halfway point, available on all of your popular podcast platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, joining us, join us next week for another new episode and then i'll be on vacation for a couple of weeks so i don't know what's going to happen for those two weeks um but again thanks for tuning in it's always a pleasure to know that you're with us and uh we'll see you next week for another new episode until then be safe be healthy and be kind we're 10 8